Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. How many kinds of paranormal parasites are there? Are our multiverse ideas really good physics? If you have a haunting problem, how can you tell if your neighbors are having the same trouble? Hello and welcome to the 619th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Ben, and those varied questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. And this evening we bring you an open line show to delve into some really great comments and questions from listeners, also from our ever-growing stack of emails. As always, uh, we welcome your calls. The numbers are 800-449-1240, that's from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, and 401-766-1240 locally. Also, we will monitor emails, paul at behindtheparanormal.com for emails. Don't forget about our Facebook page as well. Okay. Well, we have our first uh, note here. This is from John, and John does not say where he is from. John from Nowhereland writes to us, Hi, Paul. I have been involved with this stuff since I remember, but in recent years, it seems to have stayed away. After 20 years of really trying to understand what has happened to me and others, I have come to no conclusions. Uh, There are, though, uh, certain people with ideas which seem to me uh, to be onto something. Yours is one. I heard you mention uh, on one of your shows about nine different kinds of beings. Uh, do you have a book which goes into detail on your ideas on the multiverse? Which one of uh, your books would you recommend to learn about your conclusions? Okay. Uh, yes. Well, John, thank you for the question. Actually, uh, the um, – well, let's see. Really, Footsteps in the Attic and Faces at the Window, or really all three uh, more recent ones, and that includes Turning Home, God, Ghost, and Human Destiny, would deal with the multiverse idea – uh, certainly turning home goes into it in detail and how it has affected, at least in the paranormal sense, uh, our history as a species. And I cite a number of uh, conclusions, for, or not conclusions, but but examples from archaeology, history, philosophy, etc., that uh, have paranormal connotations, some of them really big time, as we might say. Uh, now, on the the issue of, uh, of of that question, probably Cosmic Journey, our upcoming book written by the two of us based on our radio scripts, would also deal with that. Uh, it is the background to all our work, the idea that you don't have a material world, a wall, and then some sort of spirit world. I mean, you can see why people would think that, because that's that, that fits with our very limited paradigm, our very limited way of understanding our world and ourselves. But... Uh, as the uh, more out there areas of physics are indicating, that is not what we really live in. It's it's really a lot stranger than that. Hence the idea that we have lots and lots and lots, probably an infinite number of parallel worlds where all possibilities exist and where people who are dead here are not dead there. And you might see them and all this, you know, and that, that's essentially how it works. But I'm intrigued by your, and a lot of other people are too, by your question about the various kinds of parasites. Okay. Uh, I have brought my list again here. Uh, this question keeps coming up. Uh, people, of course, are interested in it, and it, is, uh, it, it provides some insight into how these things think and how they work. Okay, so uh, at least over the years, I've identified what I believe are perhaps nine different species, if you will, of these things, and I rank them by their apparent intelligence, experience, power, and vulner- vulnerability. Now, bear in mind, these are creatures... They're not spirits, I don't believe, but they are responsible 
for our ideas, our folklore about demons, evil spirits, and these things, because, you know, what else could they be? We didn't have an idea, at least not in recent history, about the multiverse. I think our ancestors had ideas about that, and they maybe didn't call it that, but they realized there were many different worlds. So uh, th these creatures are part of nature. They seem to feed upon us, and they create what we believe are paranormal events uh, because we don't understand them. So it's possible that some of them could be younger or older individuals of the same species. They're not immortal. Uh, with their maturity making a difference in my interpretation of their actions. But to me, and I should say to us, because Ben and I have dealt with these, uh, each group does seem to be unique unto itself. And we have every reason to believe that parasites do not come from the same world, various species, though they do seem to interact with each other, sometimes in a hostile manner. Sometimes they seem to be fighting with each other. It's quite interesting. So I considered uh, naming them by class or something, but that seemed too much like Ghostbusters. You know, the, what, what was that, Ben? The um, uh, free-floating uh, class five apparition yes, or yes, something? Yes, 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 yes. I was you trying know? to remember as you, were, as you were making the analogy. Yeah. So anyway, I decided to stick with their prime characteristics. So here's the list from the upper echelon down to the riffraff, okay? The most impressive parasite group, according to my experience anyway, uh, we call them the wise. Now that term wise is used with great care and relativity and doesn't mean anything good when it comes to us. Uh, these are the sort of top shelf parasites they come across as very ancient and full of knowledge about the multiverse and their own way of getting food. Uh, they seem to know a lot about the inhabitants of our world and of their prey, which is us. They give the impression of knowing our species far better than we do sometimes. And I believe that many of these are responsible for our folklore about vampires. You know, where else would you get people coming back from the dead and like sucking the blood out of saying, well, that's not how the vampire legends began. They began uh, in places like ancient China, the ancient Middle East, as um, life-sucking ghosts. That's what the actual ancient languages would call them. They weren't uh, cape-wearing European noblemen and that sort of thing, like Count Dracula. They were uh, entities that were not human. Uh, these parasites, these wise, seem to be conversant in most, if not all, human languages, and they have great telepathic power. They tend to live and hunt alone. Now, like huge invisible spiders, they'll often quietly park themselves in a place or time where they have access to a certain house or tract of land, sometimes for centuries at a time, at least in our world. They pick up what knowledge they can, and they feed on whatever or whoever comes along. I found them to be uh, arrogant, sometimes brilliant, and extremely calculating. You have to be very careful of them, of course, all of these things. At the same time, once they know that you that you know what they really are, I found them surprisingly willing to communicate in a smug but semi-honest manner. Now, as we always say, be very careful about any, uh, do not attempt to communicate with anything paranormal and be very wary uh, of their attempts to communicate with you if that does occur, because chances are they're not telling the truth. Ben, do you have any comment on that? Well, I think it's just, in general, a good rule. It's like your parents always tell you, don't talk to strangers. Boy, th boy, that's doubly true in this case. Yes, and it's like if somebody comes up to you that claims that they're some sort of all-powerful guru, would you believe them? Uh, I, I, no, no. Yeah, no, neither but would some I. some people I mean, would. That, it's I, amazing, you know, with what we've gone through in the past century, it's amazing that people are as gullible as they are. Well, I mean, not really. I mean, people are still people. Well, th well these aren't people. 
No, no, I'm I'm saying I'm saying that that as a human being getting tricked by stuff is what happens. Oh, okay. All right. That's oh, I got you. Sorry. That's that's what I was saying. No, right. no, no, no. Yes. Right. I see where the the mistranslation happened. Okay. The miscommunication happened. And they're speaking the same language. Anyway, uh, then the next level down, uh, we refer we refer to them as the elders. So, like the wise, the elders seem to have great knowledge and experience, uh, but they are more apt to work together and to be leaders among other kinds of parasites, because they seem to have almost a society and they have leadership. Uh, they do not seem as interested in humans and human life as the wise do, except, of course, as food sources. Because they don't know, know really that much. They don't really know everything there is to know about us, to say the least. Uh, the third group is very interesting, the farmers, we call them. These parasites seem to work quietly in groups of four to eight and will attach themselves to a human family, uh, a tribe, or other community for long periods of, of time, cultivating situations and feeding off the results certain individuals in the parasite group might concentrate on or be in charge of particular individuals in the human group in many cases the parasites are so unobtrusive that except for feelings of presences or negativity the humans have no idea they are being farmed all right these are a lot quieter than the ones we're going to go through next Uh, next there is the pack hunters as we call them They are highly aggressive, highly provocative, and will usually concentrate on one human individual at a time. Unlike most parasites, they seem highly mobile. They can and will follow a person from place to place. There is always a leader, and if they get get enough to eat, they can become poltergeists. I have encountered them from time to time in cases of possession. I think this is probably what we were dealing with in the Bridgeport Poltergeist of 1974, which we've talked about many, many times on the show. Subject of the uh, 2014 book by Bill Hall, William J. Hall, The World's Most Haunted House. I was also going to say the the, uh, Bell Witch as well as a good example. Yeah, I think that might have been, yes, I think that might very well have been um, Pack Hunters, yeah. Because there seemed to be about maybe four of them at the the time. This is a a case we've talked about many times too, and I've, I've talked about a lot on other shows in the, in the last six months, uh, 1817 to, to 1821 in Robertson County, Tennessee. Very difficult to uh, research something that that old, but, and I believe it's, is there still something on TV about that, Ben? Uh, some kind of a series on sci-fi or something about I believe the so. Okay. I want to say yes. Yeah, uh, there were. But I'm not entirely sure. Oh, there were, but I, I know. We, we don't need to watch that nonsense. No. So anyway, uh, these pack hunters are excellent mimics. Uh, and many victims become convinced that they are being paid attention to, not by parasites, but by benevolent and protective spirits. This is what we mean. We don't believe these things, okay? Because they almost never tell the truth. Uh, the um, v- victims, of course, uh, of these things can include people who are considered rather intelligent and spiritual sometimes. Many mediums and psychics believe they're in touch with Um, enlightened masters, many UFO contactees think this, and um, there we have it. So we have uh, Robin on the line. Robin, uh, we got it here. Okay, Robin, you're um, on the show. Welcome to ON 1240 and Behind the Paranormal. Thank you very much. It's a a true pleasure. I am so excited to meet somebody, finally, that has come to the same conclusion I have. (laughs) 
Really? Well, that, that's always oh. good. Is this Robin yeah. Robin from Utah who's been writing to us a lot lately? Yes, it oh, is, okay. actually. Um, Very good. I, yeah, uh, uh, I grew up in across the street from the temple until I was 10. Th- that's the Mo- Mormon temple in, in Utah, right? Okay. Yeah, it's, oh, it's beautiful. It's old river stone, and there's a big old barn, and that house, I swear, was haunted, but now I know better. When I was about eight, I found a book on physics. And Mormonism just never took with me. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I started to read more, and then we moved to Brigham. And our house, uh, all of the wiring, all the wires from the poles, uh, come across our yard, and they're right on the east side of our house and go down into the ground. And we're also on the Box Elder Creek. So my bedroom upstairs was like paranormal central. Wow. And okay. I had my first OBE there, and I used to hear voices and things, and we have things in this house that move around constantly. Hmm. And um, my father is from the Uinta Basin, uh, which is where the Skinwalker Ranch is ours. Yeah. And I have some questions. Sure, sure. Actually, we uh, have one or two of your questions in the lineup tonight. Well, oh. we, we might not <laughs> get to do? them, but this is even better. We have you personally. and uh, Yes, I'm just so excited. I had to call in, but I'm trying to listen to your show live, and I can't figure out any way to do it. Um, okay, well, generally it's uh, on the ON1240 website, uh, onworldwide.com. But, uh, yeah, we mm-hmm. need to get going on iTunes. and All our CBS shows are on iTunes, but, that, you know, that's, that's, those well, are different Well, you shows. know, iTunes, but... Yeah, I guess. I just, I, I don't. Well, whatever. Well, 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 I, any, I, any I problem can be. I write novels, and I can write beautifully, but taking instruction is a little harder. Um, and growing up Mormon and, and telling my parents, there's something going on in this house. You know, there's something really strange. One of my questions is, have you found that there's more paranormal activity on areas like out in the Uinta Basin is where the Ute Reservation is. Uh, ben, you well, you haven't been there, but you've been on the re- on reservation in Arizona. Yeah, well, the Navajo one, at least. Yeah. Right. And I know that my mother has Cherokee, and she's from back that way, and she said that was extremely paranormal all the time. Or is it more electricity and water tables and, like, the river behind our house? Well, I would say that it's all of the above, to some degree, we keep running into cases, and I, I don't know. I, I always thought people were maybe exaggerating a bit about, about the Native American influence. However, oh, we, yes. we we work with Shane Searway, who is himself a Blackfoot shaman, and he lives in New Hampshire, and he were he's one of the few investigators we will work with, mm-hmm. and he keeps running into the same kind of thing. Uh, the Native Americans, of course, were native, obviously, to the these areas. And uh, whether it be here in New England or out where you are in Utah, right. these these were the inhabitants. Their shamans, several of whom I knew, um, not from the 18th or 19th centuries, of course. I'm not quite that old. Well, you never know. Yeah, you don't. Uh, they are very aware of multiple worlds. They may not use the same terminology, but they're very aware of the phenomenon. And they'll tell you, the shamans will tell you, well, that's what we do. We go into other worlds. Oh, yeah. And we bring back, we make it real here by, I suppose, what a physicist might say, collapsing the wave function. You know, it's just different terminology, same reality. Yes, absolutely. Understand it. Yeah. So Uh, I think in that sense... 
in the Uinta Basin out there that worked worked with, uh, like Brigham Young was a pretty smart dude. He sent the Germans over to Logan where it's cold and mountainous and the Scandinavians out to Vernal. And they, the Indians liked them because they gave them a lot of food. And so they told them, don't go up this canyon. Stay away from this place. Stay away from this place. Don't yep. do this. Now, now Ben, you and, and you heard something like that when? Yeah, I remember. Um, uh, some of my classmates that were with me were were not too bright, and they were like, "Oh, look, there's free pottery on the ground." And oh, no. a few <laughs> of the uh, the na- the uh, the natives that lived around there were like, "Don't whatever you do, do not do not touch this, do not touch the pottery." And I was I knew better, and I didn't mess with it. They also went there was there's a canyon near the Navajo Reservation canyon in Arizona. Canyon de Chelly, I believe it was. Yes. Oh, yes, Canyon yes. de Che. Yes. Right. They, I yes. haven't been there. I've been close to one. I've been to one close to that. But yes, you don't mess with their stuff. No, no. Mm-hmm. I, I stayed I stayed out. I was like, I'm just going to stay away from all this because I know right. people are going to be dumb. So I, I, <laughs> I, I, I know better. I know better. <laughs> well, there you go. Absolutely so, the, but I think that, that that's that's the idea that um, there is a great presence there because they they were. I think the more aware you are of the parallel worlds, you know, however they may work, or whether it's hologram or whatever, you know, however you interpret it, that you are more you're aware of it because you're you know about the parallel lives you're living and who else you may be and all this business. I think you know really right. gets gets pretty deep. So that that's how we interpret it, but. But I think that uh, also there are other factors. We find that there there are areas where, when you have geotechnical factors, as a matter of fact, it's funny. Somebody was just asking me about this today. Uh, high water tables, uh, sandy soil, as of course, as I believe you have out there in that vicinity. Oh yeah, uh, my husband and I, my house in West Point is as close to the Great Salt Lake as you can get, and mm-hmm. then they have to bend the road. But it's all sand and clay all the way down. Yeah, and you hit water. That's a very dark area. The police, we contract with Davis County, they spend more time in just the five miles where we live than anywhere else. Really? And when I go home, because my husband drinks way too much, and um, I have to air out the entire house and turn on happy music and dance around and sing and, you know, open the windows and... (laughs) Sometimes carry a little sea salt, but I can get that. If you go out to the salt lake and you get the sand and you get the salt, that's really, I found, an effective thing if you have problem areas, But um, which I have to go out there on the 12th, and I'm not too pleased. But it's that's dark area out there, and I don't know why. Okay. Well, that's, um, I, I think, something that we... Ben, you and I haven't even talked about this yet, but it's I can't mention it on the air because we're under a contract about oh. it. But I, I think I might want to talk to you about it uh, off the air. Um, a question about that that area. Okay, so but, but mm-hmm. we'll leave it for, at that at that at this point. So what uh, do you have um, any other? I hope that answers the question that you. Yes, you I seem was to really understand. curious because everybody in the Uinta Basin um, has a story. Sure, everybody yeah. sees UFOs. My, I used stayed with my uncle one summer. We had me up on the hill on the, the south side of the valley. And we would watch these brilliant balls of light come down the canyons. And he'd say, look, there's another UFO. Mm-hmm. But I don't th- really think that's what they were. Um, it's, the, it's where they were. I think that's know? a very interesting point. Yeah. Well, um, th- this sounds like a flap area of the kind we specialize in. And uh, I, I was... N- nobody lets us near the Skinwalker Ranch case. And, no, you can't uh, get out there because now, I, I don't know, I think they totally ruined the case. 
Well, I think they need and to look. And it's not at, the only place out there that's like that. Well, Everyone, exactly. Especially the White Rocks River, where it comes down. I, if, it, if I'm right, that's where that branch is. Okay. And the, the Ute Indians tell you, do not go up the White Rocks Canyon yeah. because there are time portals, and if you step through a doorway, you might not get back. Well, for the for those who don't know, uh, who are listening, a Skinwalker Ranch is a is a, a legendary case now because of a book written about it, uh, where there are all sorts of things occurring that seem to be unrelated but are related as we believe to the the whole multiverse process you know you got everything from poltergeist activity ghosts ufos things coming through things you couldn't make up you know coming through holes in the air at least that's those are the reports anyway supposedly a number of scientists are investigating this and our caller lives in that vicinity in utah so there we are okay well, do you have any uh, further questions uh robin um, I had one one thing that I I kind of have issue, and I'm not really sure. On our deck out there by the by the creek, it goes right over the water. I used to go out there and take naps, <laughs> and one one day I, I woke up and there was this old hobo standing right there next to the bed, looking at me. And I had p- taken some quarters out of my pocket and put them down on the table, and he picked one up and he just, just oh. Thank you, Jesus. It's a bus token to Baltimore. And I thought, what? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? And he looked like he was kind of kind of grubby, and he was riding the rails because the rails are just south, just west of us. And I said, well, it's yours. Take it and go home and be happy. And he just disappeared. Disappeared now, right in front of your eyes. What? Yeah, just disappeared. Okay, all right. And is is so is that uh, just a different time that happens to be in... What this yard, like I said, is we're under all the power lines. Yeah. And then there's the water, and it's right out there. What was that? Was it just well, somebody from somewhere else? I can suggest what it might be, because we hear this all the time. Okay. I mean, I had no idea what a bus token to Baltimore until and I looked on eBay, and went, oh, my gosh, that looks just like what he's had. Yeah. When he had it in his hand, it looked, you know, didn't look like a quarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's yeah. it. This uh, could be, I mean, remember, you are many, many different people and beings right. and everything across many worlds, and it's all you. Uh-huh. And at some point, you and that man, whoever he was, are one and the same. Uh-huh. There are connections that seem to occur seemingly randomly. I don't think they're random. But uh, if, if you're attuned, I suppose, and aware enough of the uh, the way it works and of who you are, you know, it, it, even in your subconscious, I think the entire mm-hmm. subconscious is made up of these other lives, which is why you have experiences, memories, and, you know, things that didn't really happen to you in this one. You oh, know, it's absolutely. complex. Uh, well, you I think, can't grow up in this house and not have, that something's not right with what they're telling us that mm-hmm. you just die. Because just, for, I know I'm taking up way too much of your time. No, no, it's all right. I, this is I an open line show. Died. You might as well call, you know. <laughs> I have probably died. 20 times. Nobody's this lucky. Yeah, and well... I went to my hairdresser one time, and um, she's scrubbing at the left side of my head, and I said, what are you doing? Well, you've got this great big ink mark, and it's, it's about two and a half inches across, and it's raised in the center, and I, I suddenly had this image of shooting myself. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, have, is that possible that if when you do something like that and you, have, you keep dying and you're in the same life, that they well, just wanted I, to finish. Well, I think you, <laughs> that can, you can actually have proof. Well, yeah, I think you can feel things that are happening to you in other lives. I think it's often interpreted yeah. or misinterpreted as reincarnation, 
memories. I don't think but, so. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, but the trouble is reincarnation is that you don't. There is no past. There is no future from the viewpoint right. of physics. I mean, it's all simultaneous. I'll give you an example of something like that that happened to me. I was in the uh, U.S. Coast Guard many years ago, and I was um, I had to go to Boston, which I, takes ten years off my life even today. <laughs> and uh, I was on the train or, or, or on the platform waiting for one of the subways. And I was in uniform, of course. And uh, someone walked behind me. And I felt that person coming. And it oh. was like he hated me. Oh, that's not good. And uh, no. And he walked behind me. I felt, I didn't feel the pain, but I felt something push m- me, you know, my back as if I'd been stabbed. Wow. And he didn't, he hadn't taken any action. He just walked right by. And it was so... You know, it was it was a physical force. Mm-hmm. So in some close parallel reality, I was probably stabbed. You know, yeah. Who knows what would have you know? But I mean that that I think we're very much in touch with ourselves because it really is us across all these worlds. That's the way we experience it anyway, and that's how we. Right. When, when well, we, I actually the part of, that I'm not going to go into here. The part about what have what I got into and how I got out of it. Okay, well, well we, perhaps as we communicate off the air, that w- okay, will come, come through. But, um, okay, well, we're coming up on our break, but Robin, it was a pleasure to talk to you. And, oh, I'm uh, so excited to finally finally be able to call you and, and hear you, because I can't hear you alive on my anything. <laughs> oh, that, okay, well, well, you're obviously you're out of range of the Providence, Boston area, but... Um, yes. Perhaps, uh, you know, uh, drop me an email or something, and I will be, we will be responding to your, um, your questions and, and emails and things, and I'd li- I do have a few things to ask you about that vicinity as a flat okay, area. Okay, super. Great. Well, thank you for calling. Thank you. It's well, been a pleasure. Talk to you again, I'm sure. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, everybody. Let's uh, take our break. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240 in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back. Owen Radio. Owen Worldwide. Hello, this is Manny Brando reminding you that my show is on Owen every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. You forget about me. What about you? Virginia Brando, your co-host. You and I are going to have a talk. Again? Okay, and welcome back. We have a number of charities that we've adopted that we always talk about. We'll, we'll, we'll mention those toward the end of the show in our announcement section. Yes. And we hope you will check out the links to those on BehindTheParanormal.com. So so why don't we continue? Uh, do you have any comment on uh, what our caller said? Um, well, no, not really. Uh, I liked, I, I, I thought she, she had some good questions. And yeah, you know, yeah. if... if uh, I'm wondering what her other questions that she wrote were, or if those were the same things. Okay, well, no, there are a number of questions. Uh, we will may or may not get to them tonight, but I wanted to... Yes, but a lot of, a lot of good questions and observations. Yes. And a very interesting point of view. So, we you do. Know. We have a very uh, intelligent uh, bunch of listeners here. Yes, yes, So yes. just to continue answering John's question about these nine different species of parasites, uh, the next group after the pack hunters is, uh, we call them the rogues. Uh, these are loners... Uh, we have many of the tendencies of pack hunters, but they operate in complete isolation from one another. Interesting. They operate freely through Ouija boards and seances, something we vehemently discourage. Because why? Why? Because they they are uh, a very, very uh, violent way of breaking through 
the membranes between what we interpret as parallel realities and you don't know what's going to come through because it could be a very different reality from what you're used to. And plus, as we say, these are parasites and they're looking for you as a hot lunch. Okay. Uh, anyway, these uh, rogues operate freely, again, through these Ouija boards and seances, and they're very often responsible for poltergeist or possession cases. If I, if I run into a poltergeist where there's just one, and that's only happened once, then I uh, generally interpret it as one of these rogues. Uh, next, are, uh, we refer to them as the passives. Uh, that's an interesting group, and it seems to be satisfied filling the role of second stringers, usually to the elders, a previous group we mentioned, uh, but sometimes to other brighter parasites. In paranormal cases, we often find the passives in, in subservient positions. This is what I mean. They seem to have a, a pecking order and a ranking structure and leadership. Uh, these subservient positions, and because they're dominated sometimes cruelly, by superior species. These parasites are not nice to each other necessarily. And they seem to feed on, in a manner of speaking, whatever crumbs, as it were, were left over by the elders after they were finished. Then there are the lost, as we call them. This is a, there's a fascinating tendency among all parasites to forget their own origins and even identities the longer they spend attached to their victims or hosts or in worlds that are not their own. I find that absolutely fascinating. Some are afraid to go back because they don't know, they can't remember where they came from. So anyway, uh, all this becomes especially evident as we approach the lower echelons among these parasite species. And it includes the ones I call the lost. The lost seem to operate as individuals, uh, as the rogues do, concentrating on one person, even when there is little or no sustenance from that person. They often communicate verbally. And they will often give the impression that they need sympathy and even that they are sorry for the way they have to live. Uh, in one case, in the American mid Midwest, one of the lost uh, actually was constantly apologizing to its human host. Uh, the host could hear a human-like voice but never saw the parasite. Uh, the tricksters is the next group. Now, in the folklore, particularly of Native Americans and really of all indigenous peoples, there is the notion of the trickster, something that leads you astray. And all of us in life have encountered things that were not what we expected them to be or seemed to be almost some fate playing a joke on us or this sort of thing. Well, uh, if any species in the multiverse can be intellectual lightweights but clever at the same time, it is these tricksters, parasites. Uh, they will get energy flowing from their victims through startling pranks and unpleasant surprises. As with all parasites, their abilities to travel among, among parallel worlds will make it seem as though they can manipulate space and time. Don't be fooled by that. That's something that, as H.P. Lovecraft pointed out, we talked about him on the show last week, uh, two weeks ago, actually. Uh, that in itself, that notion of manipulating space and time, strikes terror into the human heart. There's nothing more terrifying to us than a disjointedness in space and time. Tricksters are often the origins of the enlightened masters. We talked about space brothers or false spirit guides, whatever you have uh, in your, your repertoire of uh, bizarre... Uh, enlightened beings, uh, and they have a field day among gullible psychics and mediums, of which there are plenty. And the lowest uh, echelon here is the brats, as we call them, and appropriately so. Um, they seem to be what I call, um, they act, well, they act like spoiled and at, some, at the same time frightened children. Uh, they seem to live and feed alone on a specific human who is also alone. Often an, un, an unhealthy bond will result 
I actually found someone in the, dealing with one of the brats who actually was writing love letters to it because it was it had convinced her that it was a lover from a former life. Okay, go figure. Uh, anyway, they're terrified of being separated from their victims or their hosts because they at uh, a very often, as I say, they can't remember where they came from or where they should go. So that that's the the nine groups of parasites, and they will be in Cosmic Journey, if and when the bloody thing is ever published. <laughs> All right, <clears throat> so. They're talking about 2017, the Schiffer books. Okay, so let's, um, th- this is kind of a long one, but it's from, it's from Joanne in Georgia. Uh, we may have fine. to take that bits and pieces. Ooh, yes. <laughs> Alrighty, well, the uh, best place to start is at the beginning. Hello, Paul and Ben. I've been listening to your fascinating show for seven years now, and I've listened to every podcast, some episodes numerous times. I'm enthralled with the multiverse theory and the parasite theory. It makes so much sense. Uh, most recently, I listened to the show with uh, Deborah Moffat. Uh, I've heard her um, on her numerous other paranormal shows. However, Paul, you seem to bring something new to the forefront of this story. Parasites, not demons. As a person uh, brought up without a particular organized religion, only the belief that there is a god and uh, to be kind to all living creatures, having this background, I've always been an out-of-the-box thinker. Your parasite theory is so logical. In the show, Deborah said something to the effect of, it seemed as uh, as there were more than one entity, and it seemed there was a pecking order of sorts. This was not mentioned in any of the other shows I've listened to, of course. Once again, you hit the nail on the head. Fascinating stuff. We just talked about it, actually. Yes, we did. I realize that you know that there are seven to nine types of parasites, which we just mentioned. Um... You mentioned the different types in the past shows. However, I'm wondering if you go into some depth about how you've found these different types. In a few shows, you speak of a parasite uh, reaching its arms slash tentacles into the different dimensions and feeding off the anguish in the different dimensions, as this is how they eat. Uh, will you go into some detail about how, uh, or would you go into some detail about this? Okay, yeah, why don't we stop? I'll stop there. Okay, well, that's a very good question, Joanne. Uh, it, it will certainly... Um... Uh, allow us to extrapolate upon what we just said about the the species of parasites. Well, to, to answer the first question about how I came to the conclusion there were different kinds, uh, it was simply my experience with them. This is all based pretty much on my experience. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm far from a physicist. My academic background is in philosophy and theology. And, uh, but I can see in philosophy and, and particularly theology, and, and, and Ben has his own points of view on this too, that um, the way that we approach this is reflected in the human experience as characterized in religion uh, or and in, and in early science and, and certainly in the beliefs of indigenous peoples around the world, as we've said, shamans and, and, and people of this kind. Um, the religion, remember, is a response to our belief in, in God. And, and, you know, God, we believe, has certain um, actions among human beings uh, throughout human history, and the religions that developed around that were simply responses to that. And um, we always say that religion and science both are both children of the paranormal. Had there been no bizarre events, no what people perceived as supernatural beings, had there been no things to explain, no questions to be answered, there would be no science and certainly no religion probably. So that's uh, perhaps simplistic, but I think that's basically it. Well, I mean, you you should know where you came from before you know where you're going. Well, yes, that's very true. 
Oh, so, all right. So, uh, essentially, it was in the experience, uh, my own experience since the 1970, when encountering different cases that I thought would be spirits and all this stuff that everybody else believed in. It just didn't add up to that. It seemed to be a lot more than that. And I would watch the, sometimes, I'll tell you what I would do. I, I, would, I would often sit, uh, if it was not an emergency that needed to be dealt with, in the place where the parasite was active, and uh, particularly the upper echelon groups, they there would be an awareness that I was there, and a certain I don't know a certain understanding not understanding I don't know if it's a way to put it but I would sit quietly and absorb what it felt and what it was trying to do, and I may have been wrong I don't know maybe it's not the way to do that and of course th- that we're bordering on communication here which is not a good idea. But I detected different kinds. Uh, they had entirely different uh, modus operandi uh, to them. They had different ways of operating. And they felt different. That's the best way I can put it, that they felt different one from the other. So that's how it began. And, and as I, to, to come to the conclusion that there were different species. And then as time went by, uh, observing their actions in different cases, observing more, observing more than one. I mean, you could tell one was here, one was there. And how do you tell? Well, obviously, if something is happening in a room, uh, that may or may not be uh, the action of the, the particular parasites uh, themselves. But you can always tell the presence. You know, you, it's probably the electrical fields that are involved because we each have a DC electrical field, bioelectric field around our bodies. And when someone else comes into the room, even if you can't see them or hear them, you kind of know they're there. That, that's the beginning of, uh, of an understanding of how you feel the presence of many of these things. Uh, we always tell people, if you feel bad, uh, badly about a certain place or if it feels creepy, don't, you know, d- don't buy it. <laughs> you know, d- don't buy that house, that kind of thing. Don't rent that apartment. So that's essentially how I started to do that. Uh, and then in the, as far as our actions are concerned, uh, there were certain characteristics that seemed to be connected with each one as we expanded upon earlier in the show. Uh, it seemed pretty obvious now at the time and then uh, as time has gone by that this seems to hold up in dealing with it. I have not really encountered, I don't know if Ben can say the same thing, uh, parasites that uh, do not fit one of these categories. As I said early on, maybe we're just misinterpreting uh, one in one case and another in another. Maybe it's the same species after all. Um, and then the matter, you asked Joanne about the uh, the various um, actions in multiple worlds at the same time. Uh, this became apparent in cases where there would be seemingly unrelated events going on. Um, we see these in flap areas too, but th- these were strictly seem to be parasite activity. I'm thinking of a case that I often cite in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, in 2004. And I went in, and there was a an event going on in someone's backyard that apparently was uh, an act of violence taking place in a parallel reality. Uh, the entity, the parasite, was there seemed to be one, perhaps one of the brats, I believe, feeding upon that. Uh, and at the same time, it would, would go into the house uh, whose yard this was taking place in and bother two girls who were roommates there. At the same time, there were four, the, the girls believed they were ghosts haunting them. Actually, there were people in a close parallel world just going about their daily lives. As a matter of fact, they thought the two girls were ghosts haunting them. This is how it works. And they themselves were being bothered by the parasites. So, so th- this can get really entangled. 
And I've seen them operating in three or four different worlds at the same time. Now, Ben and I have seen, but one of Ben's first cases in, in 05 was the, uh, what we call the haunted policeman of Vermont. And you remember we drove into that driveway. Your brother was with us, but he doesn't do any of this. He went to tour the quarry instead. And we were immediately drawn to a spot in that yard. Remember that? I do remember that very vividly. Yeah. And we immediately, we didn't even say anything to each other. We got out of the car and we went straight uh, to this spot in this yard where I later came to believe that there was a, a murder taking place, just like in Pennsylvania, in this yard. And this entity, when it couldn't get enough to eat from that, could have been another time to us or another thing, but again, all simultaneous uh, parallel worlds. Uh, it would walk into the basement of this uh, this house where a young police officer lived. and There was an apartment down there. And he said, gee, funny you should describe it this way, Paul and Ben, because whenever we get angry, he and his fiance, and have an argument, uh, things would happen in the apartment and they would actually see this dark figure walking around the apartment. And because uh, we told them that these parasites feed upon anger and they, all these negative feelings, and, and that's how it works. So that's another example. So I think this is really very common. So that's essentially, we essentially learn these things, I believe, simply by running into them and having to deal with them. So that's uh, how I would answer Joanne's question there. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, I think we use a lot of analogies yeah. to, to describe these things, and I, I think it's taken literally occasionally because I, I, what I gathered from her question was that these things have tentacles literally and move into things. I think it's it's hard mm. for us to describe the method in which they move between worlds seemingly fluidly. Also, she goes on to say, uh, I realize at times that these parasites will show themselves, as I've heard on other shows, uh, but they call them demons. Paul, you said you felt bone structure. I wonder how they can traverse themselves into our universe but be unseen. Uh, and know things about people from previous years, uh, maybe because time is linear, and it's not. Um, not she, linear. It's not linear no. at all. Uh, shape shift into something familiar, use familiar voices. I'm sure all these questions are unable to be answered, but do your best. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Joanne. Well, I'm glad um, you have such confidence. No, actually, uh, no, we, we can only approximate an answer. No, um, well, I mean, we can't say for a fact that we know these things. It's just from our, our, our best evidence and observation. This is our best evidence and observation, exactly. Uh, the again, again, depending on the species, I mean, the the upper echelon, as as we've described, some of them can uh, express themselves verbally and this sort of thing. And the bone structure reference comes from the Bridgeport poltergeist case of 1974 with Ed Lorraine Warren. I was there for three days with them, and there were there was a, a point where they were not in the house. We talked about this many times on the show, and I was um, in the house with the family, uh, which was the the two people and the little girl a reporter and a neighbor, okay? And four things, and, and you, you could see them very faintly. We're coming down the hallway and one stood in front of me and I put the little girl behind me because I knew it was after her. And I pushed against it just instinctively. It pushed back and I felt that this, this was a physical being. Uh, it was difficult to describe. It was not human by any means. It's difficult rather to describe, but uh, the, the, the definite presence of matter was there. And the question is, well, how can they do that and be unseen? Well, these membranes, and the physicists literally call them brains, B-R-A-N-E-S, uh, short for membranes, between parallel worlds. It'd be when the physicist believes in this, and they don't all believe it the way we do. Uh, many do, however, more or less. And uh, we've had some on the show who've said it, including some famous names. But the more they are 
across the membrane into our own world, the more physical I think they are. Uh, there is serious evidence, and uh, so even sometimes from my own experience, that even some of some of the people you might see somebody passing you on the street, uh, and they are perfectly. They look perfectly real. You, maybe you can feel their presence. You know, you can put if you shook their hand, maybe they could shake your hand. But they're not from this reality. And I don't want to get too nuts here because I mean this is what a lot of people are saying: and aliens living among us. Well, in the sense that that some beings have a lot of access, perhaps to our world as opposed to our, and live it in places where the uh, laws of physics are different. And that's physicists admit that's possible. Uh, that. Um, they, they perhaps could come into our world, and perhaps we do into theirs. Some of them, anyway, even in dreams. I mean, this, this stuff really opens up all kinds of possibilities. I think people don't understand definitions these days. Perhaps not. Because the word alien, if you say that, it conjures up... Somebody jumping out of a UFO or spacecraft. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's, that's not even what it means. It just means somebody from somewhere else. Somewhere or somewhere else. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's more of an... Not even an augmentation. That's, that's pretty much the definition of it. Yeah, well, Someone who's not from here. So these things say in this Bridgeport house that they were not entirely in our world. And they looked like what the photographs that we have of parasites. They're literally uh, electrified air molecules or plasma. And that's what you would see at the boundaries of the worlds. So maybe I suppose one rather simple analogy might be if you are, um, I don't know, anybody who's as old as I am, you remember people hanging clothes out in their lines, you hang the sheets. And sometimes when we were kids, we, we would get another side of the sheets and kind of push against it and see if we could feel the other person. And, you know, you, you, know, you push and you shove and you laugh and all this. Well, maybe that's, um, in a way, kind of like what's happening here. I mean, if, if, they're, if they're pushing against their own boundaries and we see their, the reflection of that on our side and you see um, various forms and things of this kind, but they look like ghosts and vaporous and all this, that could be very well what's happening. So I think that that is a real possibility there, uh, as far as that's concerned. Um, maybe and, and I, we I'm always running into ghosts, quote unquote, who think we're ghosts haunting them, and they're just physical beings going. It may not be human, but going about their lives somewhere or somewhere else, on another side of the boundary, the brain, as it were, and uh, we they see us as we see them through that plasma. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think that that very often it's as simple as that. So that's uh, is that the end of Joanne's question? Um, yes, she also okay. says Merry, Merry Christmas, and okay. Happy New Year, and well, all the same to you, to right. me, on my upcoming wedding. Oh yes, very good. Well, how nice! But so thank you, Joanne. Yeah, well, that's nice. You know, a lot of people are well. People listen to you grow up on the air, and now you're getting married. I listened to me grow up on the air. too. Yes, as did I. Yes, interesting. Uh, well, very good. Well, thank you, Joanne. Quite interesting. Yes. Um, and the other questions that we have in here, we've already addressed in the last couple of open line shows. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we got through this whole list. Good. All right. Um, we have time. Uh, here are a few shorter. There's a long one here from, oh, there's a really good one here from Sean Patel. I guess it's uh, Patel, you pronounce it. Uh, Sean is a physicist and he's commenting on our approach to physics, which he does not agree with. And I, I, we're going to need to take more time with that. And I want, 
but it's not. We're not going to do it in, in in like five minutes. No. So um, we're going to put this on the top of the pile for the next open line show. Cool. And I want to deal with it because he's. I, I've corresponded with him. He didn't expect me to answer, but I I, I want to hear criticism. We want to learn. Yeah, it's the whole point of this. Yeah, show. And, and when we get better information, we'll change our opinion. Yes. You know, but I mean, it's got to be somebody who's. May I? May I see? Walked him. Yeah. Well, well, here's another one. Uh, here's one from um, Kathy in Greenville, Rhode Island. If you can tear yourself away from. Sure. Uh, Kathy Pitcher. writes to us. I have never heard anybody else talk about paranormal events affecting more than one house at the same time. My question is, if you are seeing ghosts or having a poltergeist in your house, how do you know it is not coming from someplace else? If it is, how do I find out and what do you do about it? Well, that, that's a good question, Kathy, and uh, we've often run into that in multifamily housing. So in other words, if you live in an apartment and something's throwing your fine china across the living room, then it's a problem. Is, is it coming? We've actually found that people in other apartments, particularly below the one where the problems are occurring, are messing around with Ouija boards and, and this sort of thing as an example, or, or other occult practices that are not smart. So it is very difficult to even begin to approach some of these investigations because you can't always talk to the neighbors, whether it's another house or whether it's an apartment. And very often, uh, apartment managers are not cooperative and they see us coming and it's a public relations nightmare. So as a result, it's, it's hard to answer the question. There may be times when you can't find um, where the source may be. I think that if you, one of the ways to approach this is that if you know that you yourself are not doing things you shouldn't, you know, be an occult involvement or these sledgehammer techniques that break through barriers in space-time, uh, such as Ouija boards or seances, if you know you're not doing that, if you know that you're not, uh, you haven't got real negative stuff going on in your apartment or your house, in other words, you haven't got a teenage son who's... Uh, belongs to some uh, murder cult or something. I mean, that's negative things like that. If you know that things are positive, and if you're, you and your own family are together, every family has stresses and strains, wear and tear. But if, if you know you're more or less together, there's love in your household, positive energy, that's really important, laughter in a good sense. Um, it's probably almost certainly not coming from your uh, house or apartment, although it could be parallel residents doing something but you, you'd kind of feel that i think there would be negative feelings uh, because your bioelectric field would pick that up and communicate it to your brain um when you see your neighbors i would i would say it's a good idea to get your get to know your neighbors find out whether they're positive people or not it might be a long process and um you might be able to pinpoint more readily where the negative negativity is coming from. And again, whether it's in a neighborhood or whether it's in a multifamily housing uh, development of some kind uh, apartment. So um, that's really about all I c can say at this point, Ben, unless you have something to add. Uh, I have nothing to add. Okay. Because I just, I'd say keep your own house in order in, in the best sense of the term. Yeah. Um, I think you pretty much said everything I would say. Yeah, because uh, it's 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 really difficult to pinpoint a source, and sources sometimes can move if they're attached to the land. So, based on everything we've said this evening, I mean, it might not even be one of your neighbors. It might be some a neighbor in a parallel reality that, that's where something where, where a battle is taking place or some awful thing is happening, such as these parasites might feed on and then reach into your neighborhood. I mean, that that's seems to be as real as it gets. So, I would say, do your best to keep your own positive nature. 
um, positive and your family in, in um, that kind of state as well. I think that's, that's the best defense. Right. Peter Pan theories, we sometimes say. Think happy thoughts. It's true. Yes. All right. So we have uh, just about uh, four minutes. Do you have anything else? Okay. Do, do yeah, wanna... uh, we probably better get to our announcements because we're, yeah. we're start, events <laughs> are starting to pile up. Yes. Uh, strangely enough. And <laughs> let me get to that. We have um, a lot of things coming up next year. We have finished our speaking season for 2015, obviously. There's only a few days left. But we're rapidly booking for our 2016 public appearances so far. The first one for the year will be on Saturday, February 13th, uh, the Book Lovers and Local Authors Expo at the Cumberland Public Library, 1464 Diamond Hill Road, Cumberland, Rhode Island, right in our listening area. And um, there will be no presentation, but there will be a meet and greet and books will be for sale. The event will involve just me. I mean, ben, ben can come. You're welcome to come. But you won't be a local author in your own right until Cosmic Journey is released. <laughs> yes. That before. I mean, I could always paste my name onto the book. You could do that. People have asked you to sign books before my, That's true. with my byline. That's good. Why That's not? True. But you okay. can find out more about the show and our public appearances and more at BehindTheParanormal.com, which we recently learned is rated one of the top websites in the world for visits and use. Uh, that's in uh, the top million out of uh, – a uh, million and a half, I should say, out of uh, 544 million sites on the like planet. It's like top 2% in the world. What's my surprise? Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Uh, at our site, you can find over 650 free podcasts of past shows from both ON 1240 and our 4.5-year run on CBS Radio along with special shows and podcasts. And people love those free podcasts. Uh, you can find my books on Amazon.com, Amazon Kindle, Barnes & Noble Nook, and all those usual suspects. But if you buy them directly at BehindTheParanormal.com, I will sign them for you, and you will help us keep all those podcasts free. Also, on our websites, you'll find direct links to the charities Ben and I have adopted, including USA Cares and Canadian Veterans Advocacy, also Youth Mentoring Connection uh, in Los Angeles, doing great things for use, use out there, uh, buildershelpingheroes.org, great stuff here in our local area, uh, from an affiliate of the Rhode Island Builders Association, literally building homes for uh, disabled veterans uh, from the War on Terror. And uh, there are also, of course, two recent books, which I, we've mentioned several times. I probably don't have time to go into them right now. Uh, certainly, most recently... I contributed to the newest book by Tim Beckley and Sean Castile, a tome with the eye-grabbing title, Timothy Green Beckley's Spooky Treasure Troves, UFOs, Ghosts, Cursed, Cursed Pieces of Aid, and the Paranormal. We actually do have time to go into the other books by Tim All right. Beckley. Uh, I only contributed a few paragraphs on why things can be haunted, quote-unquote, and why extraterrestrials might conceivably be interested in gold. I mean, wouldn't you be... Uh, but I got my name on the cover anyway, so all of these books are available at Amazon.com or use the links at the online bookstore at our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com. And the other two books, of course, include UFO Repeaters with a whole chapter on our good friend Joe Ferrier, a beloved talk show host on this station for over 50 years, passed in 2012, and uh, he was also a UFO expert in the 1960s and publisher on that. And that's about him. Uh, certainly, The Bell Witch Project is another book from Tim Beckley's publishing company. And uh, that has some contributions by me on some early New England paranormal cases that might be of great interest to, uh, to many people. Like the Specter Leaguers and the all Spectre that. The Specter Leaguers, yeah. You know, most people never even heard of that. Th that was reported to Cotton Mather, the great chronicler of early New England history, yeah. by one of our close cousins, uh, Reverend Emerson, uh, at the time. 
And uh, the Eno's are an old New England family. Doesn't sound like it. Ironic that I went to Emerson College. You went to Emerson College. Yeah, that's right. He was one of the ancestors of the founders, founder of the college. Oh yeah, I didn't. I forgot that. You were sixth cousin to the founder of the college. Oh really? Huh? Didn't know that. Anyway, exactly. So. in any case, uh, those are those are excellent books. Uh, the Bell Witch Project has has attracted a lot of attention. Been on a lot of shows about that. Uh, certainly, an example of a poltergeist situation in the, that we mentioned it earlier, eighteen seventeen to eighteen twenty one in Robertson County, Tennessee. Uh, the basis of the film, uh, an American haunting with Sissy Spacek and Donald Sutherland, uh, on which I was a consultant, and there was a really interesting uh, DVD we were going to make, but we didn't make it because they cut the budget. So in any case... uh, So on next uh, Monday, January 4th, we'll welcome military author, UFO aficionado, and novelist Mac Maloney. And we will put our heads together over the question, why does the military seem so interested in paranormal flap areas? Okay, well, very quick quote. Carpe diem, rejoice while you are alive, enjoy the day, live life to the fullest, make the most of what you have, it's later than you think. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we shall see... And we shall see you next time after the new year. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.